is Ella Kate Marisi, and you are listening to More Than Child's Play with your host, my mommy, Lacey Marisi, and my Aunt Nicole Surgeon. They're authors, therapists, and most importantly, mommies. And man, can they talk. So sit back and relax and learn from their village. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of More Than Child's Play podcast. This is Lacey Marisi, speech-language pathologist and co-owner of Milestones and Miracles. And today I'm very excited to introduce you to our guest, Stacey Lamberg. Welcome, Stacey. Thank you, Lacey. It's great to be here. Great. So um, I wanted to formally introduce our audience to you, Stacy. You have devoted your career to supporting communication and connection between children and caregivers. You are a speech language pathologist yourself, and you've worked in the homes of hundreds of families across Southern California. Stacy has guest lectured across the United States to early childhood specialists, and she has more than 15 years of professional practice as an SLP. Stacy is state licensed, nationally board certified, and credentialed as an early intervention specialist. She's a lifelong learner and a multi-year award recipient of ASHA's ACE Award. Stacy has expertise in the areas of autism, apraxia, and early intervention. So I first discovered Stacy a few years back on Facebook. She was leading a Facebook group that was all about um, the effect of screens on early childhood development and especially language development since she is an SLP. So I was very interested in that a few years ago, stumbled upon that group and joined that group and learned a lot from her there. She provided guidance um, to early intervention professionals regarding screen time exposure and child development. She provided us with research and it was just helpful for me to learn from all that, but then also to have that information to share with families that I was serving at the time about the impact or possible impact that screen time could have on their child's development. And it's still a a very hot topic area in our profession. And um, the research continues to grow as we continue to guide families on what's best for their children. But then from that group, Stacy also um, started something separate. It It is a community of practice called Coach the Coach. And I was one of the lucky recipients of a free membership to that community of practice for six months. And I learned so much in that short six months. It was a monthly um, virtual meeting where we got on and Stacy shared information about family guided routines based intervention. And she also shared information on one during one session about adult learning principles. And, you know, it's crazy because over the years of working in early intervention, I will have children that sometimes aren't making the progress that I hope for or the progress that I think maybe they should be making. And I get frustrated at myself. What am I doing wrong? And, and it's sometimes it's how we're teaching the parents, you know, parents don't always recognize or realize how they learn best. So sometimes that's our job to help them figure that out. And then to deliver our coaching our delivery of service in the best way that the parent can learn. But that's not something that we learn in grad school, or at least I didn't. You know, I was taught how to work with kids, not with adults, as far as how adults learn. So again, she shared some great information in that those few short six months, I was able to be a part of that community of practice. And I just knew that I wanted to invite her on to share her knowledge with you all, our audience, 
just to help you strengthen your practice as an early intervention provider, or if you're a parent of a child out there that receives early intervention services, this kind of gives you something to think about to make the most of your services that you're receiving. You know, you can share with your providers how you learn best, and then they can deliver that service to you and your child in the best way possible so that you get the most out of your services again through early intervention. Okay, so thank you again, Stacy, for being here. I'm super anxious for us to get started. So let's just start very at the beginning. Let's go ahead and discuss and identify to our audience what exactly are adult learning principles? Good intro question for the topic. Um, so when we think of adult learning principles, I think the biggest thing to consider is that they're not child learning principles. So we know from the research that children and adults learn differently and that children tend to learn best through everyday experiences with familiar people in their lives and based on their own personal interests, right? So some children, you know, really like water play and might, you know, be more inclined to learn from this type of activity and another child really likes something different. So, um, so we have some information about how children learn. And just like you said, we often get a lot of information like that in graduate school. So we learn about child development, um, positive and negative reinforcement. We learn about play development. We learn um, just exactly what you described, learning how to work with children. And in early intervention, you know, we realize that if we're using that coaching routines-based model, um, it's about how parents learn and supporting caregivers who are adults. So adult learning principles are just different. So there's, um, you know, a lot of research on how adults learn. Um, and I like to think of it, I think the best way if I'm going to kind of describe it is I use an acronym SCRAP. And I just do this because there's a lot of components and it's just nice to keep in mind um, some core things to think about when we're working with adults and how they learn best. So if I know that I'm teaching an adult something with um, SCRAP, I want to keep it simple, right? So adults um, in general, especially when I think of early intervention though, a lot of adults are overwhelmed. They may have multiple children, they may have multiple children with special needs. They may have many other things going on, especially in light of the world in the last year. Um, so when we think of adults, we really wanna keep things simple. We don't wanna teach 20 different concepts, five different strategies, have 30 different goals. Um, the more we can simplify things, the more we can solidify their learning. So that's the S in the scrap. And then um, the C I use to remind myself of context. So when I think of context, I'm thinking of making it in a meaningful context to the adult. So, you know, I could be um, abstract and I can say, you know, in this hypothetical situation with your child, you're gonna wanna do that. Or I could make it meaningful and I can say, well, what's happening right now? Or what's important, what's the value to your family? So maybe, um, one family prays before a meal and that's going to be their opportunity to model a gesture or a sign or something functional and another family maybe doesn't so that wouldn't be a functional context for a different family a different family might you know take off their shoes before they come inside another family might not um, and then when we think of functional context we also think about the context where um, you know, what's valuable to the parent so that I need support during this, this happens every day. And so that would be a functional or valuable context versus um, let me come in with Mr. Potato Head and teach you how to do this with your child. That would be a less functional context um, in terms of adult learning principles. 
Um, so that's the S and the C and then R would be reflection. So we've probably, a lot of us have heard about reflective practice and this is just a component to how adults learn. So when adults have the ability to reflect, which means kind of to think about what just happened, what's in the near or recent past and to put it back in their own words. So how did that feel? Um, and these are, when we think of reflection, we're thinking a little bit more subjectively. If adult, if the adult is just relaying back like, oh, this is what I do, then that would be like a different coaching strategy. That would be information sharing. But with reflection, the adult learner is actually putting kind of their feelings about it. So I think that might work because, or I feel like I can try that this week. Um, and that's a very different principle than just telling an adult what to do or what they're going to work on or how they're going to practice. So reflection really solidifies information for adults too. Um, so that puts us at A, so scrap, um, and that's active participation. So we want our adult learners not to watch. We want them to actively participate with their child in that relationship. So the early intervention visit when it's triadic and that the, we're supporting the dyad, so the parent and the child, then they're actively participating. Um, it's like when we go to a training, we do our CEU courses and we learn all this great information, but until we actually get to put it back into practice, you know, it's then we say, oh, I didn't get to, I didn't have a client that that whatever would work with that we feel like we didn't learn anything. Well, we learned it, but we're adult learners. So we need to actively practice and so do parents. Um, so that puts us at S-C-R-A-P. So the first P is for problem solving. I spelled uh, scrap with two Ps. So problem solving is another coaching strategy, but it's also, um, you know, a way to think about what is valuable to the parent. So are we addressing their concerns and their priorities? And are we addressing them in a way that is, let me just recite what you should do, or are we problem solving with the parents? So saying things like, I wonder what would happen if, or instead of saying, I'm the specialist and here's what you're going to do. We say, um, have you tried what's already doing? Or I noticed this works in this situation. I wonder about, or just wondering with the parent, right? But again, it's giving that parent the opportunity to put something back into their own words and to be active in their learning. Um, so that is the, the P, scrap. And, um, and then the last P is for um, practice. So this means that, you know, they, the adult has opportunities to practice throughout the week. And that's really where the routines-based intervention piece ties in more because when we're embedding our coaching within daily routines, um, you know, if we're embedding within hand washing or within teeth brushing or putting on a sock, climbing in and out of a high chair, all these daily routines happen so repeatedly that it gives adults and also the child many opportunities to practice versus the potato head that I brought in um, and played with and then took away and I'll bring back next week. So, um, so those are really the adult learning principles that I reference in terms of our work in early intervention the most. Awesome. Um, and all of those lend themselves to that coaching model so nicely, because with the coaching model, it's not the top-down approach. We're not going in as the expert and spitting out all these strategies and advice for the parent to do because we're the expert in their quote, just the parent. When we deliver um, early intervention services through the coaching model, we want that parent to really feel 
and understand that they are an equal part of this process of this of this intervention. And so all those um, principles that you just outlined with the lovely acronym scrap, I love acronyms, they help me remember things. <laughs> so I appreciate that. But all of those, the problem solving, the reflection, the participation, those all allow the parent to be an equal partner in this, which is what has to happen for, for effective um, service, effective you know intervention to happen. So I really appreciate that acronym and I, um, I'm gonna have to write it down because I don't have it memorized yet, but it really is helpful to make sure that again, our service is delivered and, and considered considering the parent as that equal partner. Now the first the first um, letter, the S for simple, I, I laugh because at myself because I get so excited sometimes when I'm working with families because I'm like, oh, we should try this and this and this will work because this they're at this development and we should, you know, because as professionals, we have all these strategies swirling in our head, which is good. We need to know lots of strategies because not every strategy is going to work for every family. So we need to try different things in different ways and different routines. Um, but but I have to sometimes slow myself down and keep it simple and just, you know, work on one strategy at a time um, because parents, like you mentioned, they have a lot going on typically other children, maybe working, you know, outside the home. So yeah, that's probably the biggest one for me to remember is that um, keeping it simple. Uh, but thank you. Okay, good. So we have our acronym scrap with two P's, which outlines those adult learning principles that uh, we should be following as effective early intervention providers with the coaching method. So Stacy, I think maybe I touched on this just a little bit, but kind of a follow-up question. So, you know, why are these principles so important? Why do we need to follow them to be effective in our practice? We don't, we don't need to follow them. <laughs> we <laughs> Right. So we can uh, we cannot apply them. And then we could maybe have the experience of being a little bit discouraged when we think things aren't carrying over or generalizing or we think, well, I showed them or I told them, um, you know, to try this. But if we really want to see if we if we really believe in the world of early intervention, that the intervention can happen, whether we're there or not. Right. So it doesn't take us, you know, like. Um, it doesn't take us being there for that child to receive opportunities to practice or learn or develop with their family. So if we believe that, then we know we might have a failed system if we don't apply these principles, right? And a lot, I think a lot of us listening are thinking, I do show parents, I do tell parents, I do give this handout, I do do that. And then, um, you know, and then I wonder, do we watch to see if, that means it's actually happening. So we talk about, you know, let's use a really common strategy um, is wait time in early intervention, you know, just pause, wait, let's see if the child will initiate or do something. Um, and then we, you know, we see it happening constantly. So we think we've told the parent, we've asked them, you know, we've, we've asked them if they understand it, we ask them to try. Um, and then we, maybe we practice with them a little bit, like maybe during a snack, we might say, here's, you know, um, we'll put the bag, the little cracker bag on the tray and we'll wait, right? And the parent gets really good at that. And we say, oh, good. Like they've seen me do it. They're doing the same thing. And then, you know, the next thing happens where the child wants the TV on. And so, and they walk up to the TV and the parent turns it on, right? And we think, oh, they're not, that was such a great opportunity for them to wait. And then we're surprised, like, well, we've taught them that opportunity. So when we apply the adult learning principles, um, you know, we're more likely to see that skill generalization because the parents now 
putting their learning back into their own words, problem solving on other opportunities throughout their day where they might incorporate the strategies, they're actively participating. So when it happens, you know, we're there again as that triadic piece to say, I wonder what would happen. Um, and for the, or for the parent to realize on their own, like, oh, this is the same thing that, you know, we did before. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's just really important to think about the principles in terms of our effectiveness. So um, we just had, you know, guests on Coach to Coach last week, Dr. Um, Megan Roberts and PhD candidate Bailey Sohn from um, Northwestern's Early Intervention Research Group. And they just, you know, we had them on because their recent research is on caregiver outcomes. And why are these in, in early intervention? So why are they studying caregiver outcomes? You know, was one of my questions. And it's really because, well, if caregivers improve their outcomes, then children improve their outcomes, right? So we can work with the child directly um, and not use like maybe a coaching model. But uh, what we know is that if we can support caregivers and if we can apply those adult learning principles that will support the caregivers to improve their outcomes to then in turn improve child outcomes. Right. Some important research coming out of there. That's awesome. I'm so glad you had them on and I'm so sad I missed that one, (laughs) but, but that's great. Awesome. Um, so Stacey, something I run into and I'm, I don't really know how best to handle it. So I'm interested in your advice and guidance, and I'm sure it's probably some other EI providers run into this too, is, when I invite the parent to try out a strategy, sometimes they're reluctant. And I can understand that because I feel like sometimes they feel like they might be being judged, you know, especially the families that I'm just starting out with. So, you know, if I model a strategy, I think it's a good thing to try out within the routine that we're working on within that session. And the parent is reluctant. How do you coach them through that? How do you guide them through that to encourage that, that active participation that you can then observe in the session to give feedback and um, suggest something? Yeah, it's a great question. It's definitely the most common (laughs) obstacle or hurdle that I think those of us working in early intervention can relate to because we think, well, we're trying, but developing the relationship with the parent, building that trust, having them feel comfortable, um, that can be such a challenge. So we have, you know, that's why we have really our coach to coach community of practice is because we're, we're all dealing with challenges surrounding all these different dynamics and every family is so different. So I don't want to give like a cookie cutter answer, but I'll just say some things that have been helpful um, is that coaching strategy, which is, you know, this isn't specific to our adult learning topic, but in general, just observing and pointing out strengths. So keeping in mind that strengths-based approach, that idea of um, every child and every parent and every family has strengths. And our, for those of us that are therapists, you know, listening, our mindset is often um, because of how we were mostly trained is deficit-based, right? So if we're strengths-based, we're spotting all the things that are going well. And if we're deficit-based, we're noticing, you know, this doesn't meet that milestone or this, you know, this is an area for growth, which is also, you know, we have to know about typical child development to even spot those things, right? So it just shows our knowledge base. So that's a strength for us um, as, as therapists, early interventionists to even spot the, the areas for growth. But Um, when we watch or we want parents to participate, um, there is like a, I think there's often a natural inclination for parents to feel like they're not doing it right or to feel insecure. Right. So our, to me, one of the biggest things that has improved active participation by adults is just pointing out strengths really naturally and honestly and genuinely, not just coming up with things, you know, but 
really being genuine about it and saying, you know, um, during the incidental moments. And when I say incidental moments, I mean those things that a parent might not realize we're even watching or are important or that we're paying attention to. So they're talking to us and they're updating us. And at the same time, um, they're wiping their child's face. And, you know, we might come back to it later or we might casually interrupt and just say, oh, hold on. You know, I want to hear what you're saying, but I noticed that he came up to you and you wiped his face. So he is initiating with you um, and, and you're responding. You're so well, um, you're so able to read his cues, right? And so when we're naturally just spotting things and pointing out strengths, at least from my experience, I find that parents are more likely to feel comfortable to show more things, right? Or to say, okay, this is a safe space. I've built trust with this person. So I can participate and feel, you know, okay to receive strengths-based feedback. That makes sense. Yes, absolutely. And I think you make such a good point because oftentimes we know as professionals, it's at no fault of the parents that their child is experiencing, experiencing delays in development. But oftentimes I feel parents do blame themselves. So if we're able to start out, you know, delivering service in, in a way that focuses on the parents' strengths that are already in place, building that trust and rapport early, parents appreciate that. And um, I've seen, you know, the, the look on a, a parent's face change when I'm able to point out something even incidentally that's happening that is a positive and a strength that the parent has in their relationship with their child. It really makes such a difference. So I appreciate that because it's, you know, sometimes we we're, we can be so focused on fixing the, pro the quote problem or fixing the deficit that we forget to reflect back on those positives and those strengths that already exist. And going back to the acronym SCRAP, that the R standing for reflection, right? Okay. So I've found too that if I can get a parent to reflect on a situation where they have done something and I help them realize that what they did worked or helped their child, it's so empowering to them, right? So then that also helps build that rapport and trust and, um, and, and opens the lines of communications a little of communication a little bit more, and then makes them a little more willing to join me in applying a strategy in real time so I can observe and give feedback. But yeah, that's like the number one thing, right? Because we are coaching the parent or the caregiver, we have to develop that relationship and that rapport with them to really have successful sessions and um, positive experience for the whole family and the child included. Good. Okay. All right. So you have the acronym um, and it's in my mind and I'm going to write it in my notebook. So when I go into sessions, I keep it in mind for every visit that I have with a family. But Tell me, I know you have some other tricks up your sleeve, Stacey. How, how do you make sure or keep yourself on track with implementing this? Do you have any resources or anything that you do at every session? Do you document as you're working through a session? Do you just hold the information in your mind? Do you, ref, do you reflect as a professional after sessions to see if you missed any steps in the acronym? Share with us so that we can better implement this, this acronym and these adult learning principles into our practice. Mm, okay. Good questions. Cause I feel like this is such a short, uh, you know, we could talk about it all day. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. What do I do specifically? So some of the things that I think really help for adult learners, well, one of my favorites is anytime you can incorporate video. So if you're providing early intervention and you can 
record a session with a family and watch back together. I mean, that to me is one of the best ways to learn. And that's really what we do in coach to coach so that we can, um, you know, see ourselves, watch ourselves and then reflect on it. So when we watch ourselves, there's all those opportunities for problem solving, for reflection, for, um, just all the, you know, all the coaching strategies, observation, feedback, um, it, it just provides such a rich opportunity. So, um, and then if that doesn't work or you don't have the capability, you know, like you're saying, when you're building this relationship with parents and you're getting them to reflect on what is going well or what they're doing well, having them send you videos, right. And watching them together and saying like, okay, I got your video. Let's watch this together. Um, and pausing and saying like, what do you think is going well here and asking the parent, just like you said, to put in their words, what they think is going well. Um, so these are just different ideas that are kind of popping up. I also really love um, creating like action plans with the parents or homework, I guess, um, which isn't, you know, an assignment so much as what do you want to remember and work on during this week? Um, what's the child ready to do right now? Versus let me reference their six month IAP, IFSP goal that they're not there yet. You know, like what, what are we ready to do right now? Okay. Well, you're, you know, when you go to the mailbox, it's another opportunity to practice signing open, right? So that's the little baby step. That's keeping it simple for the parent versus the big, okay, so we're working on this sign and this sign and this sign and this sign. Like, what if we say, okay, what is the little thing we're going to do? We're keeping it simple. Um, that tends to be my area of weakness where I want to give a lot of ideas, practice a lot of strategies, practice a lot of, um, in a lot of contexts. And, um, and so I tend to go back to that first one that simple, simplify things. Um, and then I think parents are pretty good about letting me know too. They'll say like, I feel like, you know, I, I want a little bit more to work on. Right. Um, and then also talking. So one of the big things I try to do, with parents is talk to them about adult learning. Talk to them about, you know, we all like to learn differently. We all, and for those of us who are coaching, we often gravitate towards a certain style. So some of us are more direct. Some are, um, you know, may be really strong listeners. And so we have different styles of coaching. And I'll tell parents too, you know, I'm, I tend to be, um, pretty good at guiding you through practice and giving like, you know, using a coaching strategy that from um, Dr. Julianne Wood's work, you know, it talks about like different definitions of coaching strategies. So I know about myself that I am pretty good with guided practice and that's sort of guiding the parent through a routine um, and giving them like little, you know, okay, hold it lower, offer a choice, like guiding them within it, right? So I might even tell a parent, I tend to do a lot of this, but I don't know if that's how you like to learn. Maybe you're a trial and error learner. Maybe you um, just want to get in there and then talk about it after. Maybe you want to problem solve together first. Maybe you want to watch me first. Maybe all of these different things, right? So just talking to parents about what coaching in general is and adult learning, um, I think is a good way to keep, stay mindful. You also asked if I do self-reflection. Um, yes. And I, I love it. I love kind of having, setting little goals for myself, seeing how close I am to meeting them. Often those goals are different for each family. It's so like with this family, I want to get in a few more routines with this family. I want, you know, to see if I can incorporate a sibling, whatever it is. Right. Um, and then I'll just sort of reflect on my own, 
How, how is that going? And often it will come up as, um, you know, is there something I'm not doing here? Well, I was talking a lot. I don't know if I gave them enough opportunity to reflect for themselves, to participate on their own um, without me um, sort of doing something that they could have been doing, right? Mm-hmm. I hope I'm answering your question. Yes, you absolutely are. And you mentioned um, video observation, like if the parents have a video and share it with you and you kind of walk them through. Would that also be a strategy? I've never tried it, but maybe you have for that reluctant parent that's not quite ready to actively participate in a strategy or suggestion you're making in real time. Do you ever suggest to a parent, maybe they could video that routine and send it to you and then you can provide, just seems a little maybe less intimidating for them than again in the moment. Sometimes I'll say, um, we could try that now, or would you feel comfortable to try that? Or what, when, what would be an opportunity where we could do this? And then a lot of times it's not the right time. Like it's, uh, whatever time I'm there is not going to be bath time or going to be. Um, and so I might say, you know, we might, maybe we could try this next week at this time. I know it would be a little bit different than your everyday time that you would do it. Or you could also send me a video. I'd love to see how they, um, you know, participate in getting in and out of the tub or choosing, you know, getting dressed or whatever it is, or you can send me a video of, um, you know, all the little everyday things that happen. So that's a nice way because it also sort of gives parents a choice. And, you know, we all use that choice strategy with children, like, do you want this or this? But if we ask the parent, like, it's a yes, no, like, how does that sound? It's very easy for them to say like, okay, and then not follow through on it. Um, because, you know, which is no fault of the parent, but just they get busy, whatever. Um, or we could say, um, you know, something like, well, what's, what would work best for you? Would you like to send me a video of it? Or do you think maybe we could try it next time? Um, and then it's again, sort of allowing the parent to do what they're comfortable with, um, if they're comfortable with it. Um, and then, yeah. And using video is such a, a lot of parents may seem reluctant at first, but what I found is that once they, once you video or you do the video modeling with them, they tend to want to keep doing it, right? Because it's like so it. cool to like watch together and problem solve through it. It's such a great activity, right? Learning activity, mm-hmm. right? And two, not only just for that. Um that comfort factor for the parent, maybe just initially starting out if they're not comfortable performing kind of, you know, in real time, it also can extend the ability for us as care, as early intervention providers to observe other routines that we're not able, you know, we're not able to spend an entire day with a family. And oftentimes our appointment time, you know, like you said, isn't always at bath time whenever the child does that. So then again, it allows us to observe a skill or a carryover of a strategy in those other routines, which can be really helpful to the family. I'm sure to get that feedback in all the routines, not just one specific one that we're actually there in the home for. Okay. So I just want to ask you, so when you, when you discuss a strategy with a family, you discuss what routine you're going to implement it into, maybe even you practice it. I imagine there's, there's some adults whose learning style, that would be enough kind of doing it with you in real time. They've got it. They're going to implement it in the next week or two between your sessions. 
but I imagine there's other adults that have a different learning style that might need a little bit more than just participating. So do you ever leave like, you know, I've heard ideas of like jotting down the strategy and the routine and putting it on a post-it note on the fridge, or do you ask the family, you know, specifically, tell me how I can share information with you. Tell me how best it would be to remind you. I've heard of, you know, um, providers, early, early intervention providers sending a text midweek. How's this going? So I'm just curious, what are your ideas and strategies for that to help with the carryover of the family implementing the strategy when you're not there? Yeah, that's um, all of those are, I think, important things to just have a way to communicate exactly what maybe the family is comfortable to work on or to try. And I have a specific um, format that I like to use that I gravitate towards, but, um, and that's from, again, family guided routines based intervention, which is fgrbi.com, uh, Dr. Julianne Wood's work. Um, she, you know, sort of outlines this way to share information with families that I prefer, but I also have done like, you know, the note on the, the post-it note on the bathroom mirror as the reminder of when we're in this routine, what to do or the text or, um, you know, midweek email, um, all of those things work. The one I was going to reference is sort of like a, it's a simple thing that you can fill out with the family. So you basically kind of talk about, um, if you're picturing like four columns, like the first one would have a, you know, the target. So the target would just be that really simple, you know, opening the mailbox or signing open, like the, the, Thing the child's ready to work on right now, not like a big goal. Um, and then in a parent-friendly language, of course. And then the, the next column would be the context. So where, like during um, opening drawers to get dressed or opening the book or opening the yogurt or opening the mailbox, right? So you put, you don't have to put 20, you might put two or four or whatever, something s- simple, but um, you'd put the context and then the next column would be the strategy, right? So what is the parent actually going to do? So they're going to um, model the sign, maybe not, maybe they're going to wait. And that's all determined based on the child, the parent and that problem solving, right? Determining, cause that's going to be individualized. Um, so then after you sort of develop the strat, you identify the strategy, then the last column is the opportunity. So you get a little bit more detailed there. I might write a little bit, something a little bit longer, like, Okay, um, before you're at the mailbox, you know, wait. And then after five seconds, model the sign. And then after, you know, a little longer, say the word or whatever it is um, to give the child, you know, the support they need wherever that child's at. So um, so I use kind of like a format like that because it's pretty simple and easy to do with parents. Um, and I think that there's many others that different people use. Um, because there's so many different, you know, I'm sure like Hannon and Russian Sheldon and um, all of these different people who are pretty iconic in our field for coaching would have great resources on those types of carryover things for parents too. Right. And I think that's an important thing for us to remember, again, going back to how an adult learns, what those adult learning principles are, how to leave that information in a way that they're going to be able to remember to apply it and then being able to apply it. And it sounds like the little sheet that you're referencing that you fill out during at the end of sessions 
it's specific and it kind of, you know, explains the why, like we're going to do this because we're working on this and this is how we're going to do it. And you're going to break it down into this small step. Cause that's, that's so important. As you mentioned in the very beginning of our talk, parents need to know the why, you know, they need to understand, um, not only what to do or how to implement it, but why, why are we working on this when our end goal is for my child to be talking in sentences, right? So it's, it's, it's important that we remind them of that so that we get that participation and that understanding. Yeah. And, and we're, um, what you're talking about is really important. And I didn't want to beat a dead horse with the why, but I'm glad you brought it up again, because when we explain why this target, like why signing open at the mailbox? Well, because, you know, we have, and that's where our expertise comes in and we can share about, you know, signs built being a way to communicate while words potentially develop or picture communication or whatever it is. But when we explain that we, you know, we draw in the parents' priorities. So remember at our IFSP meeting, you identified that you wanted him to be able to communicate his uh, wants and needs, right? So this is a step towards him being able to do that. Um, so we have, when we relate back, then it's like, we're addressing that parent priority um, and then we have more buy-in from the family because they've realized they make the connection also as, oh, she understands what my priorities are for my child um, and is there to help me get to the point where that child can meet my bigger goals. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Good. Okay. So Stacy, this is all such wonderful information. And again, I really appreciate you joining me and talking about all this and hopefully it reaches the ears of lots of early intervention providers and families receiving early intervention services so that they can again, make the most of the service that they are providing or receiving. Do you have any recommendations? So I want you to talk about your community of practice, Coach the Coach, um, and even beyond that, resources that you would um, recommend for um, early intervention providers to learn more about adult learning principles or the coaching model of service delivery. Just share any information that would be relevant for those that want to pursue more learning of this topic. Yeah. Um, so adult learning is not rocket scientists, rocket science. So like, that's the good news. You don't have to, you know, spend hours and hours trying to learn about it. I think it's more about practicing it yourself, right? Self-reflection on it and thinking about how you learn, um, how we learn as adults. So I, I've done the same thing where, um, you know, over the pandemic, I taught myself pretty basic, but how to read music and play piano. And I just basically took adult learning principles and put them into place, right? So I, so that's what I would encourage is say, get the practice with yourself, find out how you like to learn, notice how you like to coach and, um, and then get comfortable talking to parents about it. But in terms of like actual resources for people who wanna go a little bit deeper, um, I, I do have a professional bias towards fgrbi.com or Dr. Julianne, Woods, Dr. Julianne Woods work with family guided routines based intervention. So that's all a ton of free resources um, that are just all supportive of adult learning principles. And it's going to get more specific on coaching and how to structure your early intervention sessions. And that's just to me, one of that would be my go to knowing that we want to keep things simple for adults and your audience is adults. Um, right. So knowing that I don't want to give tons of information because then I'd be doing the exact opposite of what, <laughs> what you recommend. Yeah. So I'm going to try to just give like a few simple resources. So I love fgrbi.com. Um, and I also 
Um, there is a podcast that is um, by Krista Tippett. She does an on being podcast and it's not related to the field of early intervention. It's related to, you know, just interesting guests. Um, and so she had a guest on before. His name is Daniel Kahneman and um, he's an economist. <laughs> he's a, a psychologist, an economist, and an author. His last name is K-A-H-N-E-M-A-N. But he talks about two different thinking systems. So you could Google it, the On Being Daniel Kahneman podcast. But he talks about how, you know, we, we think with two different systems. And um, anyways, the principles that he discusses in there, I think are really valid for us to think about when we're considering adult learners. And knowing that adults have this procedural memory, right? So we do a lot of things automatically. We tie our shoes without thinking about it. We wash our hands without thinking about it. We don't remember where we put the toothpaste um, when we finished with it. You know, we might because we always put it in the same spot. But if we didn't, we wouldn't notice it because we're, we're probably multitasking, talking to one of our kids or another adult and not noticing because we can do so many actions physically with our bodies without being deliberate and thinking about it. So that's that procedural memory is like how he talks about one thinking system. And then we have our, our um, deliberate focused problem solving thinking system. And that's what we, that's the thinking we use when we um, answer questions like 17 times 24, or that's the thinking we use when we have to um, weigh the pros and cons. So it's like really focused thinking. It's not this automatic, like, let me throw the clothes in the dryer thinking, right? But, um, but, and he doesn't really get into how this works with children, but what I gather from it is that, you know, adults go through these motions every day with their kids, clipping the buckle on the car seat, tur um, turning on the water, washing hands, getting in and out of the high chair. And all of these little moments are these everyday routines, right? And they're, we're so procedural about them. And kids, kids are using that other thinking system. They're focused and deliberate and they can't do them automatically yet, especially young children, right? So what we need is adults to be present in those routines with children and slow down and use that more deliberate type of thinking system to embed strategies, to change what you would do automatically, which is clip the buckle on the car seat and instead pause and wait, right? But we know it's really challenging for adults to change our behaviors. So anyway, um, you know, this is getting into a much deeper level now of adult learning, but I would just say, you know, being aware of how adults and children think and move through the world differently um, can be kind of interesting and valuable. So that's a cool podcast that's not totally just in-depth early intervention or uh, adult learning, but something to, you know, consider looking at. Um, and then I have a 30-minute podcast, uh, not a podcast, I have a 30-minute webinar just on adult learning, and that people have access to when they, um, when they, you know, decide to join our Coach to Coach community, they have access to all the webinars and the recorded events. And we meet on a monthly basis because, um, you know, I've been doing professional development courses for five or six years. And um, I always say in them, I'm like, this is not how we learn best. <laughs> we yes. don't learn best by going to a one day course or a two hour event and, and walking away. So the, the community of practice developed because I said, we need a way to meet together and learn together and practice together. So that's what we do, right? We watch videos of home visits. We pause, we do the video modeling, we problem solve, we reflect, we write notes and give feedback and observe strengths. And then we do it again next month because <laughs> yep. that's how adults learned, right? We'd learn by 
ongoing learning and practice. Yeah. And that is such a powerful thing. The watching of watching videos of colleagues and other professionals doing the exact thing that we're doing in our practice as early intervention professionals. I mean, I learned so much. I wasn't brave enough to volunteer to be, to be videoed, but I'm glad that other people did. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, and gosh, that makes sense. You know, we don't learn by just going to the one day conference and you realize that and you're, you're doing something different now. So thank you, because I know that's benefiting so many professionals in our field, myself included for the short time I was a part of it. But so if people would like to check out your community of practice, coach the coach a little bit more, where do they go to, to find that information? Sure. So it's, um, yeah, we did start out as coach the coach and we changed the wording just to be coach to coach. So okay. just, um, so that's clear in case they're looking in the okay. wrong spot. Um, so probably one of the easiest places to find us is Instagram, um, which is pretty new and I'm not a huge social, social media person. So, um, it's not very detailed, but you'll get the basics and that's our Instagram handle is at ei.coaching. Um, and you could just kind of gather more information. Our website's on there. So the website is just my name. It's um, www.stacey, my last name, Landberg, L-A-N-D-B-E-R-G.com uh, backslash subscribe. And then there's all the information there about how to join and, um, you know, some upcoming dates of events, all the events are recorded. So if you can't join live and you subscribe, then you get, um, you can watch them later, of course. And yeah, it's a, it's a growing community of practice, primarily word of mouth. Um, but we do invite anybody who's working in early intervention. So we have people across all disciplines and yes, you do have to be, um, courageous to volunteer video, but everybody who does uh, you know, tends to be really grateful for the opportunity and it's not a requirement. You don't have to share your own videos to participate. Yes. Good to share that. So, and two, I, in preparation for our podcast, I visited fgrbi.com and man, they have some wonderful resources. I downloaded all kinds of good stuff just to look over later to, to pass off to families. So I know you mentioned that earlier, but I just wanted to reiterate that to the audience, fgrbi.com family guided routinesbasedintervention.com. So check that out for sure. Okay, Stacy. So if anybody that's listening has a specific question, they'd like to um, ask you, is there a way that they can reach out to you directly? Yeah, I would say um, probably the easiest way is they could go to the website that I shared before and fill out like a contact email. Um, and they can also send a message through our Instagram. Okay, great. Thank you so much. And um, everyone listening, I will put the resources that Stacy mentioned in the podcast in the bio the description of the podcast. So you can access all of that there. And Stacy, again, we thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing your knowledge about adult learning principles and a little bit of extra stuff thrown in there with us today. And um, we just appreciate your time and we wish you well. And hopefully everyone listening will take advantage of this knowledge that you shared and improve their practice in the world of early intervention. Thank you, Lacey. It was a lot of fun. Appreciate Great. it. Thanks for joining us for another episode of More Than Child's Play podcast. Please follow us on Facebook. Find us on Instagram at Milestones Miracles and on Twitter at Milestones M.